0: Hi, everyone, and welcome once again to our Midweek Bible Study 2022 Fall Edition. I'm Pastor Tim with Word of Hope Christian Church in New Braunfels, Texas, and this is Wednesday, December 7th. So excited to be with you. Hope all is going well. We're continuing in our study today of 2 Corinthians, and we're going to be talking about Titus and his companions. We're going to be finishing chapter 8, which we started last week. We'll be in 2 Corinthians chapter 8, verses 16 to 24. Lots to talk about, but before we begin, let's pray. Gracious and almighty God, heavenly Father, Lord, I pray that we would just have ears to hear your word today. Lord, touch us with your spirit to give us understanding and wisdom of what these points are as we talk about Titus and his companions today. Lord, thank you for this amazing time that we can all come together. Thank you for all who are with us today. Bless them, Lord, as we come together To give you honor and glory in Jesus' name, and everybody said, "Amen." Last time in 2 Corinthians 8 verses 1 to 15, we saw that Paul was seeking to encourage the church at Corinth to give generously to the brothers and sisters who were in need at the church in Jerusalem. And the chief motivation for giving that Paul presented to the Corinthians was the grace of Jesus Christ, which they had so freely received and which was being so beautifully exhibited in the macedonians generosity toward the church in jerusalem in today's text paul is very practical he gets very practical in addressing potential questions or concerns the corinthians might have raised about that collection but paul's practical considerations are still rooted in the grace of jesus christ with the goal of glorifying the lord all right let's open up those bibles or bible apps turn to second corinthians chapter 8 starting with verse 16, and let's see what Paul's talking about. But thank God he has given Titus the same enthusiasm for you that I have. Titus welcomed our request that he would visit you again. In fact, he himself was very eager to go and see you. We are also sending another brother with Titus. All the churches praise him as a preacher of the good news. He was appointed by the churches to accompany us as we take the offering to Jerusalem, a service that glorifies the Lord and shows our eagerness to help. We are traveling together to guard against any criticism from the way we are handling this generous gift. We are careful to be honorable before the Lord, but we also want everyone else to see that we are honorable. We are also sending with them another of our brothers who has proven himself many times and has shown on many occasions how eager he is. He is now even more enthusiastic because of his great confidence in you. If anyone asks about Titus, say that he is my partner who works with me to help you. And the brothers with him have been sent by the churches, and they bring honor to Christ. So show them your love, and prove to all the churches that our boasting about you is justified. Let's unpack these verses, shall we? Start with verse 16. It says, But thank God he has given Titus the same enthusiasm for you that I have. Here's the question. Why was Paul thankful, and how can that apply to our lives today? Well, first of all, Paul has an attitude of thanksgiving. When good things happen, he turns them back to God with gratitude. He could have said, Titus has an earnest heart for you. But he realized that Titus' earnest heart was due to God's grace in his life. This reflects the worldview that realizes every good gift is from above, James 1.17. Gratitude to God should be constantly seeping out of us. Even when people do well, we should acknowledge that ultimately their good deeds originated in God's grace. When we have that perspective, we'll be more joyful, more humble, and actually complain less. At the same time, we should not take credit for our own good deeds, knowing that God started this good work in us, and it would not be possible without Him. But that brings to mind another question. What motivated Titus to sacrifice his time for the Corinthian church? Well, it was simple. He cared for them. Caring for people is more than just words. It's more than just saying, I'll pray for you. Titus showed his care by going on a long trip and giving his time for the Corinthians. Ultimately, this heart for others comes from God. So we should ask God to work in us and give us more love for others. Next up, verse 17. It reads, Titus welcomed our request that he visit you again. In fact, he himself was very eager to go and see you. Well, the question is why was Titus eager to go and carry out this mission to the Corinthians, and how could this apply to us today? Last week we learned in the first part of chapter 8 that generosity cannot be coerced, you can't force it. Giving done under pressure is not sincere. And it does not please God and you can't sustain it. In the same way, ministering to others can't be forced. Ministry is challenging and often comes with a high cost. The one ministering for God must sacrifice something such as time, comfort, convenience, security, even oneself. Titus made that choice and he made that choice himself. He wasn't coerced into it, pressured into it, nothing. Every believer is responsible to God for his decisions. You should not do things because people are watching you and expect you to live a certain way. Instead, you should strive to please God in all you do. In the Old Testament, there were different types of offerings. Sin offerings were mandatory, but peace offerings were free will sacrifices where a person brought a gift to God on his or her own accord. It was when we offer our life as a free will offering to the Lord that the sacrifice is most meaningful. Check out Romans 12.1. Next up, verses 18 and 19, they read, We are also sending another brother with Titus. All the churches praise him as a preacher of the good news. He was appointed by the churches to accompany us as we take the offering to Jerusalem, a service that glorifies the Lord and shows our eagerness to help. The question is, in verse 18, who is the second brother going with Titus, and what was his role going to be? Paul describes the second member of the delegation as a man who is famous among the churches for his preaching of the gospel. It's not clear why Paul doesn't name the man, and he usually does when referring to other ministers of the gospel in his letters. But then in verse 19 you see what the man's role was. This man was appointed by the churches, likely in the Macedonian region, to represent them and travel with the team that's collecting and distributing these funds. Paul again refers to the collection as an act of grace, meaning that it's being carried out by the free will of all the churches who are participating in it. Paul adds that this act of grace is ultimately for the Lord's glory, but also to show the goodwill of all who will contribute. Next up, verses 20 and 21, they read, we are traveling together to guard against any criticism for the way we're handling this generous gift. We are careful to be honorable before the Lord, but we also want everyone else to see that we are honorable. The question is, Paul continues his explanation of having multiple people in regards to the collection and carrying of the offering for the Jerusalem church. What is his reasoning? Paul wanted to add this second representative in part to provide as many witnesses and as much openness as possible for the collection of the funds. He wanted to avoid giving anyone a valid reason to question his motives or integrity in handling these donated monies. Perhaps another accusation that some had used against Paul was that he was planning to take some of the donations for himself. That's why he wanted as many representatives as possible from the donating churches to join that delegation. But that makes another question pop up in verse 21. In that verse, Paul gives more insight for this transparency and accountability. What is it? The goal of this tactic is not merely to avoid the appearance of wrongdoing. Paul's aim, stated in this verse, is to faithfully do what is honorable in the sight of the Lord, as well as in the sight of others. Paul is modeling a standard that should be followed by every Christian and all Christian churches and organizations that receive donations. An active attitude of openness and transparency, it should be the rule at all times. This is not because people who handle these funds Are inherently untrustworthy it's to take away any valid reasons to question their trustworthiness next up verse 22 it reads we are also sending with them another of our brothers who has proven himself many times and has shown on many occasions how eager he is he is now even more enthusiastic because of his great confidence in you the question is in this verse verse 22 Paul says he is sending a third brother with the team to the Corinthians. Who was it, and why a third person? Paul didn't mention this person's name either, but he made it clear that the man had proven himself. This man's zeal for Christ had been thoroughly tested, and he had passed all of the tests. Besides, this man had evidently heard about the Corinthians from Paul and Titus, and possessed the same confidence that Paul had in them. But then it makes me think of something else, does taking precautions signal distrust to the person in charge of collecting offerings or other donations? And if you trust someone, should you still take precautions? Why or why not? I think it's really important to note that making sure there is transparency in no way says, I don't trust you. It's not a matter of trust, but it does minimize temptation. It also protects the person doing the collections from false accusations. Without clear guidelines and processes, a person might be left unable to defend him or herself from a false accusation, and their reputation could suffer through no fault of their own. Wherever you have influence, use that influence to make sure that money, the offerings, the tithes, the donations, etc., is handled with transparency. There should be a clear process and guidelines, and there is safety in numbers. For example, One rule could be that three people are always present when counting the money. In more general terms, we shouldn't give the devil an opportunity to tempt the flesh. Ephesians 4.27, Romans 13.14. Next up, verse 23. It says, If anyone asks about Titus, say that he is my partner who works with me to help you, and the brothers with him have been sent by the churches, and they bring honor to Christ. The question is, Here Paul continues with his recommendation of Titus and his two traveling companions. How does he refer to Titus and his two companions, and why is that important? Paul called Titus, my partner who works with me to help you. He did this to emphasize Titus' authority among the Corinthians. Titus was Paul's official representative to the Corinthians to collect the money for the relief of the Jerusalem Christians. The two brothers with him were also recommended by Paul. And to the Corinthians. Now, interestingly enough, if you turn to Acts chapter 20, verse 4, it gives you a full list of Paul's team. Let me read that for you. It reads, several men were traveling with him. They were Sopater, son of Phyrus of Berea, Aristarchus and Secundus from Thessalonica, Gaius from Derbe, Timothy, Antichus and Trophimus from the province of Asia. Interesting thought there. Don't know which one of them might be those other two, but there you have the full team. Brings to mind, though, another question. It's clear that Paul's ministry was centered on the concept of team. What are some benefits of working as a team? What can a team do? I know the acronym. I'm sure you do, too. Together, everybody achieves more. But what is the benefit or what are some of the benefits of working as a team? We get much more accomplished than a single person would. A team can also help to pick a member up who falls or is really struggling. A team can keep each other accountable. A team can exercise positive peer pressure. A team can act as a safeguard and minimize temptation. A team can also deflect accusations that could more easily land on an individual. A team can have more collective wisdom than just one person. A team can help keep each person humble A team can also help members learn to cooperate and one other suggestion I have is a team can share the load Paul clearly had that concept in mind now the final verse for today verse 24 it reads so show them your love and prove to all the churches that our boasting about you is justified the question is in this final verse Paul is attempting to stir up the Corinthians in a positive way why Well, here Paul is attempting to stir up the Corinthians to love and good deeds, just as they had welcomed Titus before. These men were representing the other churches, so the Corinthians should conduct themselves in an appropriate way, because their conduct would be broadcast to all the other churches by these representatives. Clearly, Paul continued to boast about the Corinthian believers, so he wanted them to prove that his boasting about them was justified. I'll bet some of you were thinking that this sounds a lot like Hebrews chapter 10, verses 24 and 25. I couldn't agree more. This is what it says. Let us think of ways to motivate one another to acts of love and good works. That's exactly what Paul is doing here. And then in verse 25, and let us not neglect our meeting together as some people do, but encourage one another, especially now that the day of his return is drawing near. Indeed. Well, folks, we've reached the end of our study today. We've been talking about Titus and his companions and their mission to take up the offering from the Corinthian church for the Jerusalem Christians. Finish what you started, that phrase, it came out of last week's study. That was the battle cry to the Corinthians, along with this idea of transparency and accountability and teamwork in all things, including financial issues within the church. The past two studies in this chapter eight, last week and this week, This has just been amazing to me. I hope it's been encouraging and amazing to you too. What a way to close out chapter eight. And there's still a whole lot more to come. At this point, folks, I wanna make you aware that I'm gonna be taking a break for the Christmas holiday and I will not be back until January 4th. So this is our last study of 2022 and we're gonna be picking up on January 4th in 2 Corinthians 9 verses one to 15. We're gonna be talking about sowing generously. As I look back on this year, 2022 has been a really great year. We've studied very well together. So thankful for you being a part of this with us. We've covered the books of Ezekiel, Daniel, Philippians, and 1 Corinthians. And we started 2 Corinthians. We won't finish that, though, until the end of February. But there's even more to come after that. 2023 is going to be even better, and I'm looking forward to the journey with you. So thanks again for taking time to be with me. It's always my joy to share with you. Have an amazing Christmas holiday. I'll see you right back here on Wednesday, January 4th. Until then, God bless you. Go in peace and Merry Christmas. Thanks for listening. Join us again next time for another encouraging message from God's Word. To find out more about our ministry, look us up on the web at www.whccnb.org. Word of Hope Christian Church. Real people. A real God. Real hope.